0: I am so, I'm so pumped up to dive in. I really feel like God has a word for our church this morning. I'm continuing in this series, It's Time. And then today I want to talk about the idea, it's time to start. It's time to start. Last week we talked about the idea, it's time to get together. And we looked at Acts chapter 2. And we noticed three things that the people and the church community possessed in Acts chapter 2. There was a spirit of unity. There was a spirit of generosity. And there was a hunger for God. There's a spirit of unity, a spirit of generosity, and there was a hunger for God. If you missed last week, I'm going to challenge you to jump online and, and, and check that out on YouTube. I don't think I ever mentioned it, but we, we do stream services on YouTube. If you miss a Sunday, you can see that while we're actually together uh, during service. But uh, so many ways to connect to what has already happened. And, and so today it's time to start. And here's, here's the tension, everybody, is I think we all know in the room what we're supposed to do. We all know what we're called to do. We all have a vision for where God is taking our life. But I think many of us live in the frustration of what we're actually doing. And I think there's a disappointment and and a tension between who we know God has called us to be and oftentimes where we're actually living our life. I love this key thought, it's not in your notes, but obedience is, is really this. It's the faith to trust God's plan and the courage to follow through. Hear me today and maybe write it down. Obedience is not just knowing what God says to do. It's not just reading what God says to do. It's not just hearing on Sunday morning what God says to do. It's the courage to follow through. And I think many of us wrestle because I I deal with the disappointment so often of what I know God wants to do in my life and my flesh getting in the way my selfishness getting in the way. I I heard about, remind me of the the guy who was having health issues and his wife begged him to go to the doctor. Finally, after after much persuasion, the man agreed and he said, I'll go see the doctor. Let's get this over with. So they went in, waited. He was examined by the doctor and then he left the office. He didn't wait for the evaluation. He just left immediately and, and waited outside in the car. He said, I did my part. Now you go in and find out what's wrong the doctor told his wife, I have good news and I've got some bad news. What do you want to hear first? The wife said, well, give me the bad news. The doctor said in two weeks, your husband may die, but here's the good news. You can keep him alive if, if you do the following. One, You make breakfast for him every morning. Scrambled eggs, biscuits and gravy, hash browns and coffee just like he likes it. Two, he needs to stay away from exercise. So you need to up the chores you do, cut the grass, take care of any home repairs, maintain the cars and take out the trash. I'm liking this doctor already, really. Number three, your husband's going to need massive amounts of rest. So make sure he watches plenty of sporting events on TV and keep the remote close by his side. And and finally number four, right before he goes to bed give him a foot massage every night to relieve any stress and help him rest. If you do all of this, he's going to live. The wife went back to the car and the husband asked, well what did the doctor say? She said the doctor says you're going to die in two weeks. You know (laughs) <laughs> we'll see. She, she knew what to do, but she wasn't following through with it. You, you see where I'm tying that in. Here, here's what I'm saying. We know, we know what we're supposed to do, but we struggle with the follow-through. We struggle with living it out. I, I want to look at a story this morning. Whether you're new to faith or you've been following God for a long time, I'm sure you've heard this story probably at some point. The story of Joshua. And I want to go to Joshua chapter 6. I want to set it up just so you have a little context of what's going on. One of the most important battles in all of the Bible. And they're at this place of victory where God is about to do something unbelievable. And in Joshua chapter 6, God's about to download and give them the manual, the playbook for how he's going to let them overcome and conquer the city of Jericho. What we need to know this is that prior to Joshua being in this place, God had delivered Israel from, from uh, Pharaoh's reign in Egypt, and they, they got out, crossed the Red Sea, but they wandered in the desert for 40 years. It was almost like God needed to remove a generation of people who were so full of fear and doubt and disbelief and raise up a new generation that was ready to go conquer. And so that here they are in Joshua chapter 6, ready to defeat Jericho. And it's important to note as well that that what God was doing at Jericho was going to have a trickle effect into the whole nation. And so if they could conquer Jericho, it was like they had all of Israel. It, It was setting the tone and the framework for them possessing the land. And so verse one, let's look together. It says this, it says the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, and this line is so important. These words, maybe underline them or notice them. He says, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. Here's what God was saying to Joshua. I've already won the battle. All I need you to do is what I tell you to do. It, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. We fight from victory, not for victory. Let me ask, how, how would it change your Monday if you knew you were going to win it? How, how would it change the way we walked into Monday knowing, you know what, I don't know what that co is going to do, what the boss is going to say, what's going to happen to my car or my kids, but I know that God is for me, not against me, and, and I, I, I know that he's going to see me through it. It would give us the confidence and victory we need, and that's what God puts into Joshua. He goes on, he says this, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. You say, why is God giving them this elaborate kind of ridiculous plan for marching around? March around once a day for six days and and then seven times on the seventh day. I I think there's two reasons. Number one is this, it's, it's it's a reminder. It's like God is saying to Joshua and the people of Israel, the battle is mine. He didn't really need him to march around. He could have just destroyed it in one day or one second. But he, but he was saying this, guys, it, it's not really what you're doing. And I don't care how strong your army is. I'm going de- to destroy it. I'm, I'm in charge. I've got this. And the second thing is, I think it was a test. It was a reminder and it was a test. Because even though the plan sounded ridiculous, he wanted to know, are you actually willing to follow through what I've told you to do? You know, sometimes... God's ways feel so mysterious to us, and I don't think we can really figure out all of God's ways. I think oftentimes God is just saying, are you willing to walk through the plan that I have for you, even if you don't understand it? Well, let, well, let's go on. Verse 8, it says this, after Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horn started marching in the in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priest with the horns and some behind the ark with the priest continually blowing the horns do not shout do not even talk joshua commanded not a single word from any of you until i tell you to shout then shout so the ark of the lord was carried around the town once that day and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp i'm gonna stop right there And I'm going to take a different take on this story. be honest with you, I have heard this story told so many times in church. And and I I mean, I've been going to church since nine months in the womb. I've heard Joshua a lot of times. And anybody that was coaching you on how to preach Joshua would make sure that you always get to the seventh day because that is the fun part. That's the victory. And, and, and they would say this, is that if you're going to preach it well and make it alive and get a lot of people shouting, you need to get a bunch of cardboard boxes behind you. And you need to paint them like bricks and stone. And you need to get the people all worked up. And about the end of your message, you need to have one good karate kick and you need to go back and you need to send all those boxes flying and get everybody shouting, all right? That's a good, that's a good Joshua story. We're going to stop right here. I'm going to just take a different look at the story. Here's what I know. We all love day seven because day seven is the day where we get to fist bump and chest bump and high five. And we get to celebrate like Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I mean, we 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 all love the celebration. But here's what I wonder. What was it like that night on day one? What was it like when they got back to the camp on day one? There was no fist bumping, no chest bumping. As a matter of fact, I bet there were some of the Israelites scratching their heads going, has Joshua lost his mind? What are we doing? This is silly. This is ridiculous. We're probably going to die. I don't know what's going on. But day one, everybody, is so important. We like to focus on the celebration. But I think sometimes we need to focus more on the first step, taking the first step. And I don't know what that first step is for you. Maybe today it's a step towards being more healthy, eating, eating healthy foods, going to the gym, exercising, spending more time in your devotions jumping on a team, getting in a group this week, finding a way to do life together. Maybe it's saying no to addictions and habits that are destroying your life. What is the first step you need to take? Here's the deal. I think so many of us, we live our lives thinking about one day, one day. One day, my family's gonna be this. And one day, I'm gonna be this in my job. And one day, I'm gonna be free. And one day, I'm gonna be really healthy. But can I tell you this? We will never get to one day without day one. You hear me today, church? We, we will never get to one day without day one. And for so many of us, we don't experience that day because of the overwhelming things in our mind and our life that are keeping us from actually taking the first step. I want to give you three things that are doing. Number one, one of the barriers, we live paralyzed by fear. We live paralyzed by fear. I'll tell you this. Fear is one of the big reasons the Israelites wandered for 40 years. You remember Moses? He sent the spies in, 12 of them. 10 of them came back with a what? A negative report. There's giants in the land. We can't do it. We're never going to make it. Let's stay here. We're safe here. Listen, fear will always keep you in the safe place but it'll never stretch you into what God actually created you for. Man, I want to live a life not in the safe place. I want to live a life, experience the fullness and the greatness that God has for each and every one of us. Because somebody say amen? I don't want to live paralyzed by fear. I don't want to be in the same place in 2021 that I am in 2020. I want to grow. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to stretch. Let's not live paralyzed by fear. Number two, we worry what people will say. We worry what people will say. Man, what, what, what do they think about me? What if I live for God? What if I tell them about Jesus? What if I tell them where I go to church? What are they going to think? Who cares? Man, what if I cut my hair? Are the lady's going to like it? What, you know, if I wear these shoes, does it look right? Who, who cares? We worry so much about what people say. Okay. Let, let, me, let me just help us real quick understand how powerful it is the way that people speak into our life and the way we, we we think about it if I was with you outside right after service right before you were leaving and I said hey you've got green hair you would look at me like I lost my mind and then you say no pastor actually you're colorblind I don't have green hair you wouldn't go home and stress about that you you went oh man pastor told me I have green hair you know what's wrong with me no, you're, you're emotionally disconnected from a fact that you know that isn't true, from something that isn't true. It would not bother you if I told you you had green hair because you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you don't have green hair. But if I was with you out in the courtyard after and I said, man, you're a selfish person. What? Why are you always caring about yourself? You're just a selfish person. You might take that a little bit differently. You might get home this afternoon and go, man, why is, why is pastor calling me selfish? Maybe I need to get on a surf team and surf a little bit more. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, that's not the point, but I'm just saying, let me just throw it in there while I'm making the point. Here's the deal. It would affect you different, but here's the reason why. It's not because of what I said. What changes us is not what people say about us, it's what we believe about what people say about us. Hear me, because it's real good. I don't want it to fly over your head. It's not what people say in our life that changes us, it's what we believe about what people say that changes us. I have the choice to let that get in my spirit and change me, or I have the choice to say, you know what? I'm not gonna choose what people say, I'm gonna choose what God says. As a matter of fact, I was driving to church this morning and I thought, man, the song hit me and it hit me kind of late, but I wanted to share it with you because I was reminded we've sang it in church several times. Lauren Daigle, she wrote, it's it's been the best-selling Christian song for the last two years. You say. She says this. You say I'm loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I am weak. You say I'm held when I'm falling short and when I don't belong, you say I am yours. And I believe, and I believe what you say to me. Here's what I'm saying, church. I I don't want to let any more what people or anybody says about me keep me from living the life that God wants me to live. I want to choose to listen to the right voices in my life. Can somebody say amen? It's fear. It's what people say. And number three is this. We wrestle with doubt. We wrestle with doubt. I love what Joshua says. He says this, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. This is how he starts out the conversation when he calls Joshua to go conquer the land. He says, for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. You're going to have some days marching around the city. Where a doubt's going to come in your mind and go, I, I'm not sure if this is going to work. Have we ever seen anybody march around a city before and it, it actually bring the walls down? No. And in your life this week, you're going to march around some hills and some, some obstacles and some struggles. You're going to know, God, is God with me? Does he know? Is he going to see me through this challenge? And all the while, we got to trust And not be discouraged or be dismayed, for the Lord your God, I love it, is with you. He's with you wherever you go. Here's what what I'm saying. Man, this word has just convicted me this week. Wes, don't listen to the lies in your life that are keeping you from what I've called you to be and what I've called you to do. I want to use my gifts. I, I want our church to do everything we can to reach people for Jesus. Let's not sit on the sideline. Friday night after, after Zeo, we were leaving and, and Jen pulled out heading home with the boys. And I decided, man, I just had this, this, this uh, desire for ice cream, everybody. Yeah, I did. And uh, I pulled right over here into Walmart. It's just dangerously close. It really is. And I'll tell you what, man, I got something I'd never had before. It, it was this, this vanilla ice cream with uh, waffle cone pieces that were covered in chocolate. With, with caramel and, 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 and some more chocolate. And then, I mean, just all kinds. It was like the kitchen sink ice cream, just all kinds of good stuff in there. And then I was walking back. I saw they had whipped cream. I thought, <laughs> I need that too. And I got whipped cream and I got ice cream. I got home and I had some ice cream and it was just the, just the best time. I woke up before everybody else on Saturday morning and I walked out to the kitchen. And when I did, I looked and right there on the counter was the whipped cream bottle. I never used it on Friday night. And as I went to bed, I forgot to put it back in the freezer. Listen, I know it's just $1.80, but my heart got sick to think about that wasted whipped cream right there, man. It's just to see a dessert go bad just does my heart, man. It just messes my heart up. And I threw that thing away and I got over it pretty quick. But, but I had this thought. How many of us have allowed fear and people's opinions and doubt to keep us sitting on the shelf and not living the life that God has called us to? Listen, I, I, I don't want to get to the end of my life and feel like I've wasted a bit, wasted any of the talent, gifting, purpose, and vision that God has placed in each one of us. I want to I be usable, I want to be ready, and I don't want to listen to the lies anymore. You say, how do I make a new start, Wes? I'm glad you asked. I want to give you three ways. Number one is this, follow God's lead. Follow God's lead. Here's what I notice as I just look back and study the story is this. They made sure of this. They didn't go anywhere without God's presence. They didn't go anywhere without God's presence. Even before they got to this point, God had given them direction. He said this, take the Ark of the Covenant with you. And it's going to be your direction, your guide. Wherever you see the cloud by day and the fire by night, you'll know I'm there. Don't go anywhere in your life without me. Follow my lead. I love what Jeremiah says. He says, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you that it may go well with you. Number two, take the next step and take the first step. Take the first step. Believe this, opportunity begins to open up when we start moving. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. says, we walk by faith and not by sight. We, we don't know exactly maybe the, the, whole, the whole path and the whole plan, but we got to start somewhere. we got to take the first step. It's amazing how God does his best work when we start moving. I, I was even thinking about it. I had this moment. I went to the hospital in St. Pete on Friday to visit one of our teenagers, man a young boy named Samuel and he, he started developing scoliosis and they did a major uh, really reconstructive back surgery where they put a, a bar or rod that went from the top of his back all the way to the very base of it. He, he walked in Wednesday morning to all children's uh, five foot six And he's leaving this weekend five foot, eight and a half. He just gained two and a half inches and he's healthy. And I, 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 yeah, I love it. I'm so proud of Samuel and what God has done in their family and just had the best time with them. And Friday I I walked in, he said, man, we've, we've already walked around the hall two times. I couldn't believe it. I mean, just in that short, just two days, they've already done the surgery and back. it's, It's amazing. And, and, Samuel was so excited about getting back to church and while we're having the conversation, I looked at his dad, Vincent, and I said, man, so are they going to give him a wheelchair or what are they going to do to kind of help get him around? I said, no, they want him walking. They're, they're not going to use the wheelchair. Every time he gets up, we want him walking. I said, Vincent, man, this, this is like an illustration for my message this weekend. Thank you so much. So often... We think about the comfortable place, the place of safety. But isn't it amazing that God has designed our bodies to heal with movement? He's created us to heal when we start moving. My thought was, man, let's get him a wheelchair and make sure he's safe. And the doctors are saying, no, you got to get walking. I know you want to sit here and you want to be comfortable, but you got to get up. Can I say to somebody, the enemy keeps telling you to sit down and lay there and stay there. But God is saying, you get up and start walking. You might not know the whole plan. Just start moving. Start moving and watch him heal you. Watch him change you. Watch him direct your life and show you the path that you need to take. Take the first step. It's day one. It's day one. And number three, trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. Isaiah says this, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will rise up on soaring wings and fly like eagles. They'll run their race without growing weary and they will walk through life without giving up. Some, some of us today are, are at that day one. You're, you're at that day one. God's already promised victory and day seven it feels so far away. You know what he wants from us today? To be faithful with day one. Forget what happened yesterday. Forget how you failed, how you blew it, the sin that that's held you back. And let today be the day of new beginning. I want to just share one illustration with you as we close this morning. I had this moment this week. I was, I was actually not too far from here, right out on Bruce B. Downs. And I was sitting in traffic, and amazingly, God spoke to me as I was sitting in traffic on Bruce B. Downs. I was in the middle lane, heading north, and I needed to get to Target. It was, a, it was a couple blocks away. The left lane, for some reason, started moving much quicker than the lane I was in. And, and, and my impatience grew really fast. I was sitting there frustrated because nobody's moving, and I knew I needed to get over And I'm sitting there eyeing the cars to see if they're paying attention. Have you ever been in that lane that's not moving and you're sitting there wondering, are they going to stay up with the car behind them? Because if not, man, I'm jumping right in. Confession is good for the soul. Listen, the rest of you are lying. You're lying right now. And we're in church. You know you wanted to get in the fast lane. And I thought about it, had a quick prayer, and God gave me the wisdom to stay right where I was at. Eventually, my lane started moving. And here's what I realized. As I started moving, things began to open up for me to get where I needed to be. And that's when God spoke to me. He said, Wes, sometimes you're in a place where you see where you are and you see where you want to be. But in order to get from where you are to where you want to be, you got to start moving first. You can't get to where you want to be standing still. Here's what I'm saying to somebody. Some of us are living frustrated because we want to be over there and we're stuck right here. And what God is saying, is, if you want to get over there, you need to just take the next step in the right direction. And I'll begin to work on opening the doors you need to get where you need to be. Do you hear what I'm saying today, church? I'm saying take the first step. Man, start getting healthy today. Man, start spending time in God's word today. Find community in a connect group today. Take the first step and watch God begin to open doors and move you right into where he wants you to be. If you believe it this morning, somebody say amen. 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 I believe he wants to do that in our life. And I don't know how that speaks to you, but I'm praying today as we go to God, that he'll challenge us to take the first step and move towards him. Would you just pray with me as we close?